This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, life after breaking through glass ceilings a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world. Join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Today with me is a longtime colleague. It's so funny. We just rekindled. We were like, why don't we ever just constantly talk? Uh, Cheryl, I can't pronounce your last name, Cheryl. Ploof. Ploof. Pluff. I, I, I just know who you are. Uh, Cheryl Pluff uh, turned her professional media experience into a thriving virtual video production agency and consultancy. She's an entrepreneur and international speaker and has broadcast over 20,000 hours of live television over her 25 year career. You were, I know you were a newscaster. Were you, were you, um, did you do weather? Did you do traffic? Were you just news? Were you on the street? What were you? I did mostly, Jen, I did mostly weather Oh, okay. In my career, 17 years of, I did weather, Oh wow. but I did also do, interestingly enough, I did do some business reporting when I worked in radio and mm-hmm. I was also a college professor for a time when I was teaching journalism students on television performance. So okay. I've had a lot of experiences in the media industry. Okay. I thought it was weather. That's why I added that one in first. Okay. Let me continue with this and then we'll talk more stuff. Yeah. But today Cheryl creates and implements custom content plans for six and seven figure business owners so they can quickly get their brand known online. And we're going to talk about numbers here in just a minute. She's the creator of the Profitable podcast method, helping agency owners and high ticket service providers get more clients, referrals, and speaking gigs. Um, When she's not working, she's a hockey and baseball mom and an avid Prince fan. I don't know if he's called Prince anymore. (laughs) I I am too, by the way, we could go crazy with some of his songs. Uh, Cheryl lives and works in Ontario, Canada. So Cheryl, welcome to the show. So excited to have you to the show. Great to be here. Of course. And we want to talk about quite a few things. Um, I guess let's get this started with um, talking about uh, the numbers, because, you know, here we are, we are post pandemic. In my opinion, it's not even pandemic. I just got back from Europe and England. Nobody's wearing masks. It's gone. I travel all the time. It's gone. Now, maybe Canada is a little different. You guys are a little, a little stuck in some things, but, but you know, I think the excuse of the pandemic is gone. And even though it's easy to do virtual and we can sit on our butt all day long, which is horrible for our our health, we have to get back out to human to human contact. We've got in in human to human contact sometimes is also not automation, like pick up the phone and call people. But I think that where entrepreneurs are confused is that what we learned in the pandemic was to grow our social media, online presence, all that. And now it's followers. I got to have a gazillion followers. And I can tell you that my coach has 1300 Instagram followers and he makes over $3 billion a year. I'm telling you, you don't need the followers. You need a strategy to work with your high ticket, high end clients. So I'm going to let you take it from there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if you have high ticket services, products, you have to have a strategy to attract those people. You really have to think about who is the person that you want to sell those things to. And then ask yourself, are they thumbing through 
endless inspirational quotes on a Facebook page? Like, are they, you know, I think that's the conversation we start need to start to have as we transition from web two to web three, which is what is happening. And we're only seeing the very first stages of that. It's definitely in its infancy, but that's where things are going in the next three, five, 10, 20 years, right? It's a net, the next evolution of the internet. And I think that if you have high ticket services or products that you're selling, you really have to have a better strategy than just posting incessantly on social media, being on a social media hamster wheel. Now, having said that, Jen, there was a time when being on the social media hamster wheel worked. And my belief is that that's not working anymore. We're starting to see the decline of some of these big tech giants. We're starting to hear headlines about layoffs and changes and, and even just people that are not seeing the results. I speak to agency owners all the time, and they're often confiding in me that they're not able to get their clients the results that they had promised them by being on the social media hamster wheel. And that's their business. So that's a, that's a business question that they have to ask themselves is, is that the business you want to continue to be in? But at the end of the day, it's really about results and what we're seeing working. If you have high ticket services, you've really got to go back to basics, which is, I think is really the premise of this conversation yeah. today. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, so at the risk of sounding really old, because I remember Katie Couric asking this on Good Morning America, tell us what the World Wide Web really is, right? Let's discern the difference between, uh, because I'm hearing it a lot too, is, you know, Web 3. Uh, what it, What is the difference between Web 2 and Web 3? What's that revolution that we need to be aware of? And I know the clip you're talking about, Katie Couric <laughs> and Matt Lauer, and this yeah. is a, this is an old clip from I think 1998 oh or something. Where yeah, it was, it's yeah. a great clip. Yeah, yeah. If you can go back to YouTube and just search that, yeah. and it's hilarious to hear them talking about this new thing that's coming out. And I think that we are at the stage now where those clips, our discussions about Web3 are probably going to be very Katie Couric-like uh -huh. 20 years from now. Yeah. So what is Web3? Listen, I'm learning too, Jen. I don't for a minute stand here or sit here pretending to be an expert on all things Web3, but I'm learning and I'm committed to reading articles and watching videos and listening to podcasts about this specific topic, because I do believe that is where things are headed. What is Web3? It's really the evolution of, of the internet and where things are going, I think, are going to be more community-based. It's going to be more about decentralization. So it's decentralization. You hear terms like NFTs and DAOs, which are decentralized autonomous organizations. And, and, and meta. Um, Metaverse yeah. and metaverse and all these different things. I might not even be getting these terms correct because that's how <laughs> new I am to it. Yeah, yeah. But I have seen enough and heard enough to know and to be convinced that this is really where things are headed to, right? Yeah. Cryptocurrency. Is it undergoing changes? Absolutely. You know, are there concerns for people who have invested in those things in recent years? Yeah, of course, you know. But I think this is just part and parcel of the changes that are underway. Yeah, But the thing to understand from a marketing perspective is just that this is going to fundamentally change the way that we market and we have to be aware of those changes so that we can make the necessary changes in our own marketing of our own businesses. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I'm always saying, uh, you know, be. <laughs> this is one of the things that I, I don't know. I just think of all these crazy sayings, but, you know, don't ever be in someone else's wake, right? There's turbulence in the wake. Of a, of a boat, be in the front, right? P create a pack or, or a fleet of boats and be the lead, you know, the lead boat. And um, so I'm invested in cryptocurrency. I have investments in several different cryptos. Um, I'm tapping into the metaverse. Um, I always think of Web3 as being 3D because in the metaverse, you know, a lot of meetings are being held that way. I know that there's a, um, I just won an award and I'm going to be, we're doing a virtual and I thought, okay, it's going to be a video. I mean, you know, Zoom kind of meeting thing. Well, no, it's all being held in the metaverse. So we're creating our avatar with an evening gown so that I can receive my, my, my thing. And, you know, it's pretty funny. And I'm, I'm thankfully I'm experienced with it because EXP Realty works in that all of their meetings, all of their training sessions are in, are in the metaverse. 
and um, you know, are in this 3D. And I think this is where really where it's coming, where there are storefronts where you can go into that metaverse and go to a storefront and go to um, you know, a travel agent and talk to that travel agent instantly. You can go into a conference room, which I've done, and I'm the speaker and I'm waiting to be introduced. And then my little avatar walks in front of the presentation and I turn and now I see all the people attending, but it's really their avatars. And when they raise their hand, the little avatar raises its hand, the little co you know, cosmic cartoon, cartoon character raises its hand. So it's, it's really a really cool thing. And I, and I see all these different, you can sell art there, you can buy land there, you can develop, you can lease, you can rent. And as uh, entrepreneurs, we need to be there. That's where it's going to be as well. But I think that instead of going down that little road of speaking about NFTs and metaverse, what you're saying is that while this transition is happening right now, we're in this flux of this isn't working. I don't know that this new thing, right? I don't know this well enough. This isn't working. What the heck do I need to be doing right now to make money to survive so I don't have to go back to the office and work because I became an entrepreneur during the pandemic, <laughs> right? Right. Well, yes, I think it's going back. And to your point, you probably have had more experiences, Web3 experiences than I have to this point uh, because I'm still learning. And I think that's the, the message I would send about the Web3 is, as entrepreneurs, I really, it's really advisable to just start educating yourself. That's the mm -hmm. stage you should be at. Just educate yourself. You don't yeah. have to invest in anything or anything like that, but just start really learning about what changes are coming because it does impact you. And it is really, I think about going back to the basics and understanding like what fundamentally builds a business? Mm -hmm. What are the things? And if you look back at your own business and think, well, what has worked the best for me? Like if I look back, I think there are really two things that have worked best for me. One is speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Don't stop speaking. You have to get out and you have to be speaking on your own. I, I, I say on your own platforms and those of others, but also I think it's talking to people. You've got to talk to people. And as much as you want to automate everything and you want to have the passive life and sit on a beach with a laptop and, and, and money is pouring in, the fact is that you still have to talk to people and, yeah. and that is fundamentally never going to go away. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's add, let me ask this question for entrepreneurs that are listening, because, you know, not everybody is a speaker like you and I are, not everybody's a coach like you and I are mentors, but people have real businesses that are listening, right? They, and maybe they, maybe it's um, a virtual business or, you know, it's not as tangible, but maybe people do have tangible businesses as they're listening to this as well. And I think that this lends to the importance of what you said about they need to speak. They need to go out speaking. I'm, I'm telling my coaching and mentoring clients right now, you know, people that are in our mastermind about the fact that they need to become better presenters. They don't have to be a speaker, you know, like Tony Robbins, but they need to be better presenters to do one to many to capture and do uh, get more market influence, more more followers, if you will, <laughs> right? What are your thoughts for the guy who says, or the gal who says, look, I've never stood in front of five people, I'm gonna die because we know about death speaking, right? Um, what, what are the things that you wanna say to them to encourage them to be able to start doing that? And how could they start doing it in their communities? Um, you said, have your own event, but what are other ways that they could be doing that? Well, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is it depends on the kind of business that you're in and you were just painting a picture. If you have a virtual business versus you have maybe like a local business, your strategy for speaking or presenting or being in front of people will be different depending on what kind of business you have. If you're a local business, then maybe your speaking or presenting involves, you know, the, the lunch and learn at the chamber of commerce or, you know, other things that are in person. If you're virtual, then you have really the advantage of being able to use Zoom and other video conferencing tools to do the one to many and do it efficiently. But for those people who are business owners who are saying, well, I really want to grow and I want, you know, these are fundamental tenets, I, I believe, of a successful business is getting out there and letting people know. People know uh, advertising, right? They know sponsorships for the most part. And speaking is, is, is just a way of getting your message out to more people. When I was a broadcaster, I used to get in front of a television camera in a studio 
And behind that lens were potentially hundreds of thousands of people at any given moment, millions of people, if you looked at it over the course of, of any given month. If I had thought of that, if I had always stood in front of that camera with the thought that there are hundreds of thousands of people, yeah, I would have scared myself silly to the point where I might not have wanted to do that thing, especially in the early years. So I always thought of the lens as one person. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that I teach and, and help people with is just think of it as you're just relaying one, just talk to one person. It's not nearly as intimidating. It's not nearly as scary. And if you got into business, it's because you're passionate about something, you have a product or service that you believe in. So you're really just talking about something that you already know and feel passionate about. We're not asking you to go out and speak about something that you're unfamiliar with. Underwater basket weaving puppy dogs. Uh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's funny when my daughter got married several years ago, you know, we kept, I kept saying to her, nobody knows how it's supposed to go. You know how it's supposed to go. If it doesn't go right, nobody knows only you. So when you're speaking like that and you're speaking from your expertise, you're the only one who knows what you want to say. And if for some reason you decide you forget your outline in your head or what happens next, you can always talk on some other subject too and say, so where was I? And people can even, you know, help you. And that's it. That's actually an engagement tool that you can use, even if you know where you're at, (laughs) which I think is so funny. Yes. It doesn't change is you need, you need a strategy to get your message out to more people. I mean, that's business, right? You have to get the message out and there are lots of different ways to do that. I just happen to specialize in doing it organically, you know, and, and I like to do it through a a podcast to be able to get clients referrals and speaking engagements through a podcast. That's an organic strategy. Yeah. The fact is that you have to have a strategy And it can't be just, uh, your strategy shouldn't be just, I'm going to do what I see everybody else doing just because everybody else is doing it. They might not know the path either. Yeah. So you have to rely on your coaches, your, you know, if you have a coach or you hire someone to consult with you, I don't think any business is built in isolation. You have invested. I have invested. We've all, I think, you know, want to invest in helping us go down that path faster and uh, cutting a check for speed is often advisable because time is money. I think you want to do that and you want to get advice of what's really working. And I think that's ultimately what we're talking about here is what is working. It's the fundamentals are always going to work regardless of the changes going on on Facebook and Instagram or web three is coming. We're in a transition. Yeah, that's life. Things are always going to be changing but you can always rely on the fundamentals. Yeah. Okay. So let's back this up because we went down the path of speaking and, and for some people that's like way down their, their river, right? <laughs> They're going down river, right? That, that's like way down the river. What can they be doing today? So what would you say to someone who is, um, you know, who's, who's sort of on this, this hamster wheel that you're saying is like, they're paying for Facebook ads and they're not working. So they're trying to tweak the ads and that's still not working. And then they get, you know, they're just trying to do all that and they're posting and reposting and posting and begging. You know, I'm writing an article called, are you a business beggar or a business builder? Hmm. Right. Because there are so many people out there that that seem to be in the begging mode. Right. I was just on a summit and you were on the same summit and in the, the uh, chat is just the regurgitation of someone's information. They say, go ahead and put your information in. But I saw several people putting it in 12, 15 times because they're begging, right? And everything was for begging. Um, I'll give you another example. I went to uh, uh, my local chamber of commerce, which I never go to because I'm too busy traveling. Went for the first time in probably six years. Everybody's like, oh my God, you know, and uh, guess what happened from it? Everyone called me. Can I be on your podcast? Can I be on your show? Can you do this for me? Me, 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 me. It was all beg, beg, beg and not. Did anybody hear what I was looking for? Did anyone hear that I was trying to accomplish something? It's just amazing that that's happening right now. And I do think that that is akin to the the hamster wheel, you know, to a certain extent. But I also think it's a beggar mode. Not that everybody is a beggar. Maybe they were a builder and they're getting panicked and they're becoming a beggar. Um, and, and right. So what's the first step? What is it they could be doing right now instead of 
going out and speaking if they're uncomfortable with, what do they change? They just stop. Okay, I'm done with the internet. I'm just going to go to my database and start making phone calls. What is it? Well, a couple of things come to mind. One is if what you're doing now is not working, then you have to, I think, pull back and reevaluate that whole plan. You know, like if you're, if you're paying for ads and it's not converting and you're spending, you know, $4,000 a month on ads, whatever, if it's not working, then really, I think you should stop doing that and just reevaluate. And that could not necessarily be just you by yourself reevaluating that, but hiring someone to look at it objectively with you and together as a team, figuring out what will be a better plan. Yeah, there certainly is something to be said for you know, reevaluating your message, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like we get stuck in this rut of, well, we've been doing this this way for so long and, and things change and things evolve. And so reevaluating, I think the messaging and just kind of starting from that point and looking at it and going, is this, is this really who we are? Like, is this the problem we're solving? I actually just interviewed um, someone on my podcast recently who had worked for Nike for 11 years and learned a ton about branding and marketing through his work at Nike for all that time. And, and he was interesting because he was saying that he learned so much by observing all these different units, business units and how they operated that even at Nike, they are constantly, he said to a fault where, where every single meeting that they would go into, they would talk obsessively about their customer, obsessively about what do they want? What are their problems and what are their pains? even Nike, which is, you know, a $30 billion company. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for all of us, right? To re-examine the pain and the problem that our ideal clients are actually having and having those discussions. So I think you have to start there. And then from there, you start building out what's our messaging and then getting into more of the tactics of, okay, if that's our messaging and we know who our ideal person is, Maybe we reevaluate the tactics by which we're going to find those people or attract those people to us or start conversations with them. I think, you know, what, you, what you're what you saying about this is so powerful because I myself have gone through um, this transition, you know, because prior to the pandemic, uh, my target avatar was experiencing the challenges that they were experiencing were definitely different than when um, the pandemic started. And all through the pandemic, it was chaos. And now the pandemic is over and they're back to actually worse than what their problems were before pan the pandemic, right? So I've had to adjust my problem solving, you know, whereas before I said, are you living with chaos now? And then it was, are you working long hours because you can't, you didn't have a system put together. And now it's not chaos, but are you wondering what your next step is, what your next move is, because nothing's happening, right? It, it's gotten even worse. And so I've had to change that. And, and that's just not the first part, but the second part was also changing my message because what they wanted as a result before is definitely what they not what they want as a result now. And um, so I've had to go through that. And I think that's really, really powerful. And especially for a lot of us, I'll speak for myself. You know, I was in an industry for 40 years. So I, I said, I know what they need because I've been in it. I've been there. But what I learned is I have to ask them what they need today. And we can't make that assumption. And you're right. It starts dissipating, right? It starts diluting. And it's and it, it just sounds like wah, wah, wah when we're talking about it, when we don't go back in and refresh and renew our strategies. I love that you said that. And I wanted to just share what I've had to go through as well, because we're not alone out here. You know, all of us entrepreneurs and business owners and salespeople, we're just not alone. And we feel like we're alone a lot. And that's because we don't reach out to mentors and coaches and consultants to help us um, hear what we need to hear, which is stand back, get out of the hurricane, and let's do an assessment before we go back in. Yeah. And I went through the same thing. The The people that I was yeah, you working for and with before the pandemic were very different people than I think the specificity that I have now mm -hmm. post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that you have to evaluate 
always, I mean, especially at least on an annual basis, Mm -hmm. at least on an annual basis to really take the time. I like, I like December for that. I love December because we're you know just about to come into a new calendar year in the entrepreneurial world, but there tends to be a little bit of a lull, you know, it just slows yeah. down. The pace of life slows down a little bit as it should. <laughs> we should spend time with our families and, and that sort of thing. And I like that time for reflection to mm-hmm. really, you know, sit down with a cup of tea and a notepad and just take the time to just, you know, get cozy on the couch and just think, you know, yeah. just think and reflect back and then look forward. And look at who am I and and what do I do and who do I serve and getting some clarity around that. But then it's not enough to just write it in your notepad. You then have to action it, which is the next step of it, which is what are the tactics that I'm going to implement now in order for me to have more conversations with those types of people. And, and I think that's the, the, what I would recommend, you know, about speaking. I mean, you know, people are afraid to get out and speak you're going to have to ask yourself how badly you want to be in business. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's it. I mean, I think, I mean, it just, it's too much work to do one-to-one-to-one on the backside of a one-to-many, you can do one-to-ones because you've picked from the litter. You've seen their body language. You've seen their reaction. They've come up to you and talked to you, thought it was great. Asked questions, were engaged, participated, right? All these things. And now you go, okay, so yes, no, no, yes, maybe, I don't know. And you start picking from the litter and having the one-to-ones instead of going out and, and not even having a message not being able to talk or even dig in deep enough and walking away from a networking event with maybe an opportunity to speak with someone that you really don't know anything about. And you're just going to waste your time doing the one-to-one and then not follow up anyway. Right. And, and this is some of the challenges I think that a lot of people have, um, you know, and why the tactics are so important. So let me ask you about a tactic. Um, So, you know, you're cozying up and you're thinking, you know, you're thinking versus doing right. You're, you're in a thinking mode versus a doing mode and you're about ready to go into the doing mode and you get into that doing mode. What, what have you seen with your clients um, in what the next step really is? Is it, um, because I know for me, I and I learned this from Sharon Lecter, quarterly, I print my bank statements, print them instead of like okay. filing them and giving them to a bookkeeper so they can assess them. I print them and I go through them and I realize I signed up for something that was free that isn't really free anymore. And I don't really use it, never did anyway. I look at, you know, I love this idea of what you're saying is if it's not working, then get rid of it right? At least, at least look at that. How many of us pay $49, $99, $129 a month, which all sounds really great until it all adds up and you're not using any of it and you don't even know you have it because you're not actually by paper going through your your th- your um, bank statements and stuff. So my first reaction is to assess, part of the assessment, the thinking when I can slow down enough, the doing is to go and figure out what I don't need. It's a process of elimination rather than a process of selection of, well, now I need to do more. I think eliminate some before you start doing more, but I'm curious what your, your sense is in this and what you've seen. I don't have that problem because most of the things that I invest in are tech tools, but they're necessary to help me conduct my podcast because I do profitable podcasts and there's a whole, you know, tech stack uh, that is involved with that. So I don't really have that problem, but to your point about slowing down and then thinking and then taking action, um, this idea of taking things away or slimming things down or reevaluating is something that we should always be doing. I think in business, whether it be reexamining your tech stack or looking at your subscriptions or, you know, and I have done that in the past, certainly have found things that, hey, you know what, I'm not necessarily needing that thing anymore. Or I found a different tool that I like better that does more things. And then I would, you know, eliminate the other one and stick with the other. I think that when you get to the point where it's like, okay, they've cleaned things up. Now it's time to take action. It's really going to be about um, looking at not, not getting too caught up in the automation of of everything, trying to find, again, to your point, maybe paying for a tool that's $129 a month, that's going to automate this thing and create the funnel and the complexity of this and it's connected to that. And 
this whole thing doesn't really drive business for you. That can help you scale, but maybe you're still at the point where you need to grow. And I think that's the conversation, right? What stage are you at? If you're in the growth stage, you need to be back to basics, fundamentals, head down, on the phone, on Zoom, meetings, calls, talking to people, even if those calls don't lead to sales, which they will in the, you know, it's a numbers game after all, you will get sales from it, but you will still, even in the people that you talk to who are not ideal or don't buy your thing or whatever, you're still learning and you're gaining intelligence, uh, not only about who your ideal client is, but also who your ideal client is not. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win no matter what, when you get on calls, you're learning something in the process. Mm-hmm. But it's really understanding, are, are, are you in a growth phase or are you in a scaling phase? Because scaling is different. I think if you're in the scaling phase, then you might want to look at tech stack and, and reevaluate tools and find ways to find efficiencies and things like that. It's team building and things of that nature. But in the growth phase, you have to get back to basics and you've got to talk to people. Yeah. So let's talk about that because you made comment and I'm sure there are some people that are listening and saying, well, wait a minute, I have active campaign. I have click funnels. I have, you know, some automated systematic way to go out. Are you saying to just let all of that go if you're in the growth phase, or are you saying to look at that and see if the tactic and the problem solving and the solutions all are in alignment so that it goes forward in a better, more efficient way that gets results um, or are you saying just get rid of it all together and say, you know what, I just need to have phone calls with people and I don't even have a, I don't even have an email campaign. I'm trying to figure out where, where that line is for people who listen to this and say, she said, don't have an automation when I'm in growth phase. I want to make sure we get real clear on that. <laughs> okay. I want to be clear that I mean that you can certainly automate some some part, some, some things you can automate in a business. I'm just talking about automation in terms of like a set it and forget it. I want to just have like set everything on automation in my and business and be beach. sitting back collecting money. Yeah. That's the kind of automation I'm talking about. That isn't realistic. Yes. You will have some automation in your business. Certainly, yeah. you know, email is a great example of that, right? You can set emails up, you can schedule them in advance. Like there's definitely efficiencies you want to have. Yeah. Here's what I would say. If you have high ticket services or products that you are selling, you might not necessarily need a complicated funnel. Yeah. Now here's the difference. You don't, you still need a sales process and that's the difference. Mm -hmm. You still need a sales process to sell your high ticket products and services, but that doesn't, I think people get confused between that, a sales process and a funnel funnel takes on a lot of different meanings, right? When most people talk about funnels, they're talking about a set it and forget it, you know, um, automated thing with ads running and money is just coming in. But guess what? Your high ticket products and services are probably not sold through an automated funnel anyway. They're probably sold by talking to people, maybe multiple times, depending on the the product that you're serving or or selling. Like if you're selling a $20,000 mastermind, or 20 or or even 40,000 or anything like any kind of high ticket thing. Are you really selling that through a a funnel? Like you're, you're not, not. you might be using a funnel. You, yeah, you at some point need to get on a call (laughs) at some point, you're going to have to have a conversation with people to sell that thing. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, just understand the difference between having, you can have a funnel, uh, you know, that is going to have help you to manage an influx of, of, of large traffic and, and things of that nature. But for most people who are looking to build, let's say six figure, seven figure, you know, uh, business through coaching, consulting with high ticket offers, you don't necessarily need to have massive volume to do that. Right. It's a manageable number of people to reach those types of levels of income that you don't necessarily need a funnel or at least it warrants an examination of whether you need a funnel to get that result. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important. And I think that's key that you just, you know, made that differentiation. And that's why I asked the question um, because I want to make sure that everyone understands, you know, that it's like quantity over quality. I think a funnel is great for quantity 
if it sells, sometimes it doesn't, but it does lead to maybe a workshop, maybe a phone call, maybe a conversation, right? It does lead to that. And from that, you can discern whether someone is a low ticket offer or a high ticket offer, you know, just from having that consultation. All right. So, so the funnel you're saying, okay, you know, so consider, you know, other uses of the funnel. Don't expect that, you know, for someone to click a button and pay $40,000 to work with you. So what is the what is the way to do it and how are you suggesting we do this so you know drop yourself into somebody's at a networking event whether it's virtual or not and they're you know they found somebody that they want to have a conversation with um, whether they're on a podcast or not it doesn't matter but it, it's I've identified someone that I think there's a connection and I want to see where that connection goes what do we need to be doing you, you need to well there two things that come to mind. One is invite them to a call, invite them to talk. It really is that simple. It's yeah. just like meeting somebody in real life. Mm -hmm. If you're interested to have a coffee or, you know, today yeah. we can have coffee in person or we can do it virtually. It really is that simple. Say, like, would it make sense for us to get on a call and get to know each other better? Yeah. Would it, you know, it doesn't have to be a a script necessarily, right? It's just having conversations with people. You find someone interesting and you say something like, Hey, Jen, it sounds like we have a lot in common. I don't know. Would it make sense for us to get on a quick 20 minute chat, grab a coffee and just get to know each other a little bit better? Yeah. yeah. Hey, that sounds like amazing. There's yeah. not selling anything. I'm, and I'm really not selling anything. I just really want to get to, it has to be genuine, <laughs> get to know each other better. Yeah. And then we talk and who knows where that goes at the end of that 20 minute conversation it leads to another one, to another one, right? You get to know each other. It's called relationship building after all. Yeah, I know. And, and I think that's really what it is. Yeah. So Jen, how, one other thing I would say yes, is that's if you, if, if you invite someone to, so that would be one way, right? Invite someone to a call and just start a conversation. Yeah. Another thing that I do and I teach other people to do too is you know, I have a platform as do you, right? We have platforms where people can speak mm -hmm. and most people recognize the value in getting on someone else's platform to speak. So now we're talking about leveraging your speaking platform to invite them on as a guest, to be able to give them a spotlight and give them an opportunity to speak about what's important to them. And you get to edify them. You get to put them in, in the spotlight and people love that because it's something that they want and you're not asking for anything in return. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the benefits of having your own platform is that ability to be able to not sell anything, but to invite someone on and say, hey, let's have a conversation that benefits the audience, that benefits you and me. And, you know, it's a win-win. And I'm a big proponent of the win-win. And that's something I learned when I was working at the Weather Network for, you know, 17 years. It was drilled into us as one of the main values of that uh one of the 50 best managed companies in Canada year over year over year. And the reason why was because we were trained to build win-win relationships. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm going to go back just a little bit on this because I think a lot of people, um, I'm going to speak from my perspective and, I, and I'll be honest with everybody who's listening here too. This isn't just because I'm a speaker and a podcaster, have a television show author. It, it's not. It, it's now exasperated, um, manifested even more, compounded because I am that. But for so many years in my business, when I asked someone to do a one-to-one -one with me, right? And we did one to, I did one-to-many and then one-to-ones. That was my strategy. Um, and I did, um, uh, you know, the one-to-ones. I found that, uh, and I've learned how, to, I've definitely overcome this. I coach people on this, but I found in those situations that, uh, hey, I see that we have some common interests. Would it make sense for us to have a conversation, you know, to, to get together? But what I found is that they came barrels loaded, ready to pitch and sell me to no, to no end. Um, how do you avoid being that person, the business beggar? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And how do you halt the person who does show up like that, because I'm sure they don't want to be, but how do you put them sort of in their place? Because I know that everyone who's listening here, they're going to be receiving or giving or be on one end of this thing. What is a tactic that you have for halting that behavior one way or another? It's a great question. It hasn't happened 
all that many times, but I can think of a handful of times when it has happened. Well, I think you, if you recognize early in the call, which is not supposed to be a selling call, right? It's supposed to be a getting to know you call. I think if you recognize that that's the path or the intent or the motivation of the person on the other end of the line early on, I think you can nip it in the bud and say, you know, to whoever that person, uh, John, let's call him, right? Yeah. Um, to say to John, hey, John, you know, uh, my understanding is that we're here to get to know each other better. I'm not selling anything. And I don't think you are here selling anything either. <laughs> you know, maybe saying something like that again, I'm just yeah. going off the top of my head. Yeah. But yeah. almost just try to call it out for what it is and sort of share that you recognize what's going on here. But that's not, you, you know, that's not the intent of the call. Yeah, maybe reiterating the, what the intent of the call is, you know, um, and if there is a misunderstanding, then I think you can just end the call. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if John then responds by saying, oh, no, I'm here to sell the whatever thing that they're selling, mm -hmm. then I think you just end the call. Yeah, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough it one. They for are. Sure. But well, it, we're it adults. happened a handful of times to me. Yeah, we're adults. And, um, you know, and I think that's part of it. You know, my strategy has always been to set the expectation when I walk in, you know, or come in, however, you know, the phone calls, you know, let's set the intention for the meeting. You know, the idea here is for us to see if we have some common interest in working together, you know, some way or another. This is not common interest for you to sell me. I don't say that, but, or me to sell you, but let's see if we have some common interest in serving one another and helping each other expand and grow our practices, you know, genuinely. And what I realize is that one of three outcomes will come from this. One, you may decide, no, that I'm not a good partner for you and there's not enough common interest and that's okay. Two, you might decide, yes, I do want to work with you, Jen. I really see that we have some, some synergies here that we could work on over a period of time. And the third is that I may decide, I may decide <laughs> that this is not a good fit for me either. Is that okay? Does that sound fair? Does that sound good? Great. Now let's move forward with our meeting. And I have found that that works for me the best. You know, in sales, it's always alternative first. So you always sell no first. And by saying, if you say no, and that's okay, I, our psyche is saying it's okay if they say no. And I think this is a challenge yeah. that a lot of people have when they come into these meetings, you know, as you're driving to them, you're like, oh, I hope they like me. I hope they really like me. And so we spew on everyone. And this is why we sell so much. And rather than just sitting back and creating a neutral environment where, you know, we're not after them, it's neutral. They're now being recognized that, hey, I'm being sized up too. I better reposition myself here and actually not, you know, have my arms crossed, but say, whoa, let's see if we can have this relationship together. And I, I have found that it, that works really, really well. Um, so to your point, if you're in it and you forget to set the expectation, you're in it, then you reset, right? By making your comments. And I think that that's I like really, that. Um, yeah. And it, and it really has helped and me it, um, a lot. I, I must look like a gullible blonde. Because I get it. I can't, well, I can't count how many times that's happened to me. Oh, yeah, that that's not a, it's, it's, I like what you said there. And I think that's a really great solution. Um, and you should be doing that. I think that's just, you know, when you get on a meeting, set the intentions for it right off the bat. But if it goes still down that path, then you could maybe re, re course correct. Yeah. To your point, though, about the business beggars, as you put them, there's, this thing that people can smell desperation from a mile away. Yeah. And so when you get on a call and you are in, like you, you feel desperate. It's like, I need to make these sales. I'm like, you know, you, you have to find a way to still conduct those calls in a way that doesn't, the, you know, so that the garlic isn't seeping out of your pores, so to speak. <laughs> right. Right. That, yeah. you, you know, don't let it, don't let it be, obvious and apparent that you're desperate you got to park that park that desperation somewhere else and go into it with a very different mindset that you know that you have authority and that you have an amazing thing that you're doing right um but i think it, that piece around desperation plays into your business um business beggar philosophy 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's move into, cause that was a lot about relationships. Let's talk about the high ticket um, clients as we're kind of, you know, ending our time here or getting close to ending our time. These high ticket clients, um, what is a, what's a great goal for someone to be looking at, you know, for getting a high ticket client? Is it one a month, one a quarter, you know, and I'm sure this has to do with sales skills and what we learn and that type of thing, but what could we potentially get from meeting someone, having a conversation with them? And how do you broach that conversation after the relationship is enhanced to say, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is um, either you, someone you know, or someone you know who knows someone who would be interested in my services? Well, I mean, I think you're only limited to your own goals. If you have, if you have crunched the numbers and, and you know that the thing that you do is worth five times or 10 times more to that person to solve that problem, that number can be any number that you want. It can be 25,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand, like, or more, like you're really only limited to the, the change or transformation that you're providing to that person. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, if, if you have a, a way to be able to generate high ticket clients and you sell something for $50,000, let's just say, and you, then you have to look at, well, what are your, what are your own business goals? If your goals are to make a hundred thousand dollars a month, then that's two clients per month. Mm-hmm. Just crunch the numbers. It's just a numbers thing. It's math. But in terms of how much is too much, there isn't any limit. And I think that's one of the benefits of entrepreneurship. If you work for someone else, there are limits. Yes. <laughs> there is a ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cap. There is. You know? yeah. And you have to work within the confines of that thing. Right. As an entrepreneur, you get to make the decision about what that is. Yeah. And so I think it's really just looking at that from the perspective of it can be anything that you want. Right. The, the important thing is to make sure that the thing that you're doing or the thing that you're selling is actually of value and that you've crafted that offer so that it really does provide a transformation and that it's more valuable to the person than the price that you're paying or the, or the, the investment that they're making. In it. Right. Um, so that's yeah. thing one. Yeah. And then the next part of your question was about referrals is, I understand about um, no, just about broaching that conversation, because I know one one of the things that you do and we can speak to podcasting here and then everyone can apply this to other things. We can speak to podcasting is growing your audience by being a guest on a podcast or growing your audience by being a podcaster, which both of us are. Right. So we're obviously growing our audiences in a lot of different ways during this podcast alone. Um, But taking that from someone listening to a podcast to actually moving them into a potential client. And so everyone who's listening, yes, we're talking about how are we going to do this, but also how can you do this, whether it's a podcast or you spoke at a big event and there's 200 people, that's an audience. So how do, what's the transformation or um, the transition is the word I'm looking for, the transition from that in high ticket and without it being just a bunch of funnel uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> funnel people. I just, in this article I wrote, I, I actually have a name for these people, but I can't think of it right now, but I, I'm going, oh my gosh, these are, these are these funnel, funny people, you know, where all they, they just are, I call them squirrels, right? Because all they're doing is collecting names. Give me a name, give me a name, give me info, give me info, give me info. And then they put it in their funnel. Right. And that's all they all they do. And it's just I can't, is this a squirrel who's approaching me? Do they, all they want is my information so they can spam me to death. So that's not what we want to do. And that's not what you should do as you're listening to this. This is not what you want to do in your business. There's a part of your business, I imagine, and I know that Cheryl would agree, that is that. But we're talking high high ticket uh, high ticket clients right now specifically. So how do we make that transition from an audience yeah. right forward? Well, let me just say that the definition of audience, I see it a little bit differently. So when I'm speaking about podcasting and we refer to the audience, I'm I'm thinking of the audience of the podcast, people who are downloading, people who are yes. listening, people who are watching. Yes. And while that is 
good and, and great and, and important because we want to provide value to the audience. My focus actually for the host and the people that I'm working with isn't as much predicated on the audience in that definition mm-hmm. as it is about the leveraging the guests that you're bringing onto the show to mm-hmm. lead you to more clients, mm-hmm. referrals, or speaking engagements. Yep. And so if that audience uh, or that database, if you will, those connections, we'll call them, how do you transition those connections into high ticket sales? I think it's about having a strategy to have an, uh, an opportunity to have a discussion after the podcast is completed. Yeah. Right. It's just really that simple. And it doesn't, it's, it's not as complex as, people want it to be. It really is about asking. Yeah. And it's it's, about asking you and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. We were just chatting, you know, if about how many times, and you've been on lots and lots of podcasts, I've, you know, 13,000 hours of podcasting that I've done and, you know, 1300 or more now podcasts that I've been on. I can't maybe once maybe once as a guest, have I been asked by the host to have a follow-up anything? They have their automation come in and say, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. And it's done. And it comes usually from their Calendly, <laughs> right? From their from their scheduling link, right? It says, yeah. oh, thanks so much for being a guest. Which is automated. Podcast. Which is automated, right? So, and that's where it stops. That's literally where it stops. I never hear from them again. Unless, of course, they put me in their database and now they are funnel funnel spamming me for anything else. Um, so there's there's a broken link in the connection, right? That that stalls the relationship because of that. And I, I think to your point, that's really, really critical. So I'm I I mean, you can share, but I'm happy to share sort of my sequencing. But I maybe there's one or two things you could maybe give in in the form of sequencing. And it doesn't have to be in order, but what would you do that's different um, being a guest and being a host? So maybe one thing from each side so that those that are listening, if you have the opportunity to have a podcast, to have an event or be a guest at someone's event or podcast, what are one thing that someone could do that is unique and different in follow-up and follow-through that could get them more audience? Okay, so as a guest, if you're a guest on someone else's show, what could be different would be to have maybe curate a clip from your appearance on that person's show and send it to them. Mm -hmm. Or... Promote it on your own social platforms, maybe, and tag them. I'm just trying to think of things that could be different as a guest. Yeah. Thinking beyond, you know, I, I maybe even sending a, sending a video message after your appearance and thanking that person who had you on their show yeah. and doing it in a video or a multimedia format, whether it be audio or video. Those are things that most people don't do. So yeah. those are some ideas that come to my mind. Yeah. As a as a host, some things that you could do that are different would be actually one of the same uh, is curate a clip from your appearance, tag that person on on a post if you wanted to do that. But one of the things that we do and what we teach is we call it power, power, power partner talk, which is um, and we provide scripts and everything on how you can what you should say after the interview is completed. Yeah, as, as a host. Yeah, to you know, so to your point, that's only happened to you, I think, one time where someone, you know, followed <laughs> wanted to say, "Hey, what's the next step?" Yeah, and admittedly, this is not something that I have always done. Right, this is yeah. a new, a newer revelation to me is looking at how we leverage a podcast to that end, and yeah. that now has become the thing I'm teaching. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, to give you an idea of what I do, so I had. Um, cards made with my podcast on on the outside of the card and I send a thank you card so you as a guest I asked you what your address is there's a reason and so I'll be sending a thank you card thank you so much for being on the show I love it love it love it right um that that part then we have a short series of email sequencing that goes out that says you know now that you've been a guest in the show thank you so much have you been on another show 
that you think that host would be a great guest on my show. Then there's another series that goes out that says, hey, um, you've been guests on many shows. Are there other shows that perhaps uh, Jen would be a good guest on? Or you're a podcaster. Who have you had on your show? So we do a whole series of kind of it's like creating this web, right? This web of all, all of these pieces. And then we start sharing um, speaking opportunities. We have an entire database of where you live, Cheryl, what you speak about, right? <laughs> when the date was that we released your podcast, what the topic was, you know, the, the title of your podcast, so that very quickly I can go in and say, hey, I'm having a three-day event. I'm looking for a speaker who can help people with this, that, and the other, because that's the trend I'm seeing now. And my, my team can go into that database and say, oh, you need to call Cheryl and Bob and Susie and Tom. Those are the people that you need. Oh, and by the way, I'm having it in Chicago. Is it close to this? Is it close to New York? Is it close to to Dallas. And we, that's what we've done. And then we do a six month, how are you doing thing where we talk, we just have a communication. You wouldn't even know because you would call, I would just call and say, Hey, we haven't talked. Let's talk. Right. And then a year later, we do something called beyond the podcast. And it's a Facebook live where we get more of where are they now? Hey, we had our, our podcast, again, it's podcast episode this on this date, the topic's that, go look at it. But where are you now? What's going on with you now? How can people reach out with you now? So that gives them more and more exposure to our guests. And that's how we start. And we do a partner program too. It's called a we partner program, <laughs> a power partner program. That's so funny. Yeah, I love there you it. Go. <laughs> I love it. I we, love do, it. we do some of the things that you've just mentioned, but- we, we, we do some of the things you've just mentioned, but in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Part of the things you've mentioned there will do in the on in the in the process of bringing on guests. So when they fill out a form, a very short form, right. but right. we're asking questions in a drop down menu. And then that data is feed, fed into a, a spreadsheet database that we can go back and I can look at your record, Jen. Right. And to see what how you answered those questions for follow up later. Um, I do have a virtual assistant who can go through those things as well. So we do it a little bit differently. And then also we do some of the portions that you just mentioned more so right after the interview, I have a series of questions that I ask my guests about that would lead to conversation, whether it be through going down the referral path or down the speaking connection path or down the client path. Yeah. So we're doing those things, but in a slightly different way. The important thing is that these are strategies. Instead of just, and these are, and that's the important thing to take away. Yeah. Instead of just getting on here and having a conversation and releasing it, you know, doing all the editing and all that and releasing it. um, And, and I would, I would say this to the business owners and salespeople, right. That are listening is, you know, you can't just go to a networking event and spend that hour at the networking event and then leave. It just doesn't work. I mean, if you want to grow your business, you have to go there with specific intent, just like what we're talking about. You have to identify people that you want to have a relationship or a follow-up conversation with. And then you have to have a real adult conversation where you're not spewing on them. They're not spewing on you, right? They're not trying to cross-sell. Nobody's cross-selling. We're really just identifying whether there's a good foundation for us to be able to blossom that relationship in a multitude of different ways. And maybe there's only one, but I bet you're going to find two, three, or four different things that you all could be doing for each other to help get you more exposure, to get more audience to be able to help grow your business. Would you agree, Cheryl? It's it's amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. And it doesn't take much more I time. Agree. Yeah. I agree. It's crazy. What do you think is your biggest gift that everyone else says, I can't do it? Can't do it. And you're saying, but that's my gift. It's just a no-brainer for me. What is your biggest gift that you offer to people? Huh, that's a good question. I think that it's, I I think I have an ability to bring out of people things that they might not have seen for themselves. And I think I'm a good interviewer. I like to listen and I do read between the lines in answers. So I'm the person who, I actually had someone recently reach out to me and want to hire me to interview them, right? Because I was able to bring out of them and have them express ideas in a way that was very natural and conversational. So I think that is my gift. That probably was 
nurtured throughout my broadcasting career and be able to help people feel comfortable that way. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that we can't see our own ears and you can <laughs> by listening, right? You can just intuitively know, you know, what, what someone's trying to get out and add by asking the right questions, that information is getting out even further for, for people to understand and get clarity. And not only the audience, but the person themselves, because you bring out maybe a question that goes, oh, I, I never thought about that. I guess I do that. I guess I, I didn't know. Maybe that should be my message, right? In a sort of sneaky way, but not really. It's not. It's a very listening type of way. I love that. And I would say that, I think, that that's you too. I've, I've seen you lots of times like that. Thank you. One of the things I think I also do is I hear things in sound bites from having been a broadcaster. I hear when, when people respond, if I ask a question and they respond to me, I can almost hear the in point and the out point of that soundbite, where it starts and where it ends. And so I think that's also a skill set that I've developed over time. Yeah, you and I both learned a lot about sound bites from some people years ago, right? And it was right up your alley. So for you, it was super easy. And I remember, uh, you know, trying to find that in my own verbiage when I was interviewing people or when I was being interviewed is, is saying, where are my sound bites? Cause I never thought in that tech, you know, we don't, those that are, that are listening are saying, yeah, I don't really speak in speak or think in sound bites, but if you, well, why don't you share what a sound bite is? Maybe you can compare it to a movie or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What a sound bite is. Most people don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, a sound bite is a section of something, let's say I respond, you ask me a question and I respond to it. And there's going to be a part of a short, it doesn't matter what length it is, but typically a soundbite is shorter. A short part of my answer to your question that is concise and streamlined and really paints a picture and sounds like a beginning, a middle and an end. It sounds like it can be independent. It can stand on its own. So that is something that you can identify as an editor, you can go in and you can pick the beginning part of that, that end point of that clip and the end point, and it can stand on its own as a real um, help, you know, to paint a picture or make a point or whatever. So in news, it's important to be able to identify news sound bites because they need to be typically seven seconds or less. And, it, and it, you want to, you're listening to a whole bunch of conversations. If you interview someone for say 15 minutes or 10 minutes, you're going to want to identify where the sound bites are for the news report. So it's a skill set that I think you develop over time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I've tried to, I've tried to be really good at getting that over time for myself and I'm learning, I'm learning how to do it, but uh, yeah. And I, I think that's a, a really unique skill too, because uh you know, I've even had situations, and I'm sure those that are listening have had it too, where you've spent hours and hours and hours putting your message together. And it's, you know, it's an essay, it's five, you know, it's a ream of paper, <laughs> putting your message together. And someone like, like Cheryl comes along and goes, Oh, well, really, what you're saying is see you Tuesday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I can't yeah. tell you how many times people that happens a lot when I'm rewriting yeah. So when I'm rewriting podcast descriptions and things like that for students, then yes, I'm making it much more concise. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I love that. And and sometimes that's what we need as, as entrepreneurs, you know, to get our message across. And so, so having said that, you know, I, everyone's hearing that, wow, you can help them if they want to do a podcast, if they're going to be on podcasts, if they're going to speak in an event, if they're, you know, need to, um, I'm calling it don't hibernate hyper-focus during these winter months, stop hibernating and let's get hyper-focused and move yourself, um, you know, off of that and start growing. So you can get in the, into that scaling piece. They're all hearing these beautiful things that you've had to say, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you, um, to get the wheels going in, into what would work for them if they wanted to work with you and, and if it was a good fit for you? Well, guess what? It's a conversation. 
<laughs> I walked myself into it. I knew that. where it was going. I knew where it was going. <laughs> you did. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I, the, really the best way I'm, I'm pretty reachable. I'm pretty reachable on social media at Cheryl Plouffe. You send me a message and then we book a call, but you can email me Cheryl Plouffe at gmail.com is my personal. I don't mind putting that out there. And also you can go to profitablepodcastmethod.com. We are, we have a video there that talks about how to thrive, how to thrive in the year that we're coming into and really talks about some of the changes that are happening in the world and how you can mitigate those. So profitablepodcastmethod.com. If you just want to watch a quick video, understand what it is and get on our um, that does put you on our list, of course, that you'll be able to hear from us as we put out more resources. But if you really are just want to jump and get into and say, hey, I just want to chit chat. I just want to talk about my situation. Then you can just send me an email and I'll send you the appropriate things. to book Awesome. It. And we'll, we'll have all those. Really links. That simple. Yeah. And we'll have all those links in our show notes so that everyone can just click on those and do, yeah. do them very quickly. And so Cheryl, what would you like to leave us with today based on the breadth of conversation that we've had today? It wasn't hyper-focused. It was definitely broad, but what would you like to leave us with? Things have changed. Social media is changing. And as a business owner, you need to have a strategy to navigate those waters. Consider shoring up your fundamentals. Get on calls with people, talk to people, build relationships, stop trying to sell people in complicated funnels and automate every single thing in your business. You need to have quality connections rather than quantity going forward, especially if you're selling high ticket services and products. Yeah, I love it. Great message. Great message. Cheryl, thank you so much. It's so exciting. And I know I'm going to be on your podcast too. So we'll make sure that we have a link to your podcast show so that people can listen into that as well um, and get more audience and more listeners there. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending time today. I love what I'm hearing from you. I love where it's going and I appreciate all of your wisdom that you have uh, to give to us and to me, I mean, I'm learning too. I love it. This is why I love doing podcasts. <laughs> it's my own research I, and intel. I love learning so much from you too. <laughs> well, thank you. It, that's what it's all about. It's about collaborating and learning from each other. So Absolutely. thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. Well, everyone, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to listen in on us. I hope you took a lot of notes. Replay this. There's a lot of good nuggets that, that Cheryl provided to us. I think you can have a lot of strategies and tactics um, in play. And uh, don't forget to give us a great five-star rating. And when you write a review with that five-star, say something beautiful about Cheryl so that she knows that you heard what she had to say. And last but not least, be sure to go to YouTube, to our channel. We have the link below as well. And subscribe so that you can watch all of the podcasts that we have um, had it here over the last 10 years or so. So with that, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.